0: Okay, I just realized that uh, I was talking for about two minutes, uh, and I was not unmuted. So,
1: welcome, guys. That's Thank a God. tragedy. That's a waste of content.
0: Such wasted. content, content gods,
1: you know, The content gods have robbed us all of two minutes of content.
0: I know two minutes of amazing content, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back, okay? Because I, I remember what I said which is welcome to Useful Idiots, Colin. Welcome to calling all Useful Idiots. And um, we're so glad to have you. Make sure that you, of course, subscribe to us on um, uh, Substack at UsefulIdiots.substack.com for exclusive content. You get a Thursday throwdown, which is when we react to media clips that come out not on Sundays. Also. Make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Useful Idiots. Make sure that you rate and review our podcast, Useful Idiots. And uh, yeah, we already got some callers. Oh, and also tweet this out because we want to make sure that we have a a great, uh, vibrant audience and we want to spread the gospel. So tweet out this call-in link. All right, let's take our first caller. Amanda.
1: I don't see any callers. Is that just me?
0: Oh, you're right. We don't have any. No wonder when I, you know what? People are here because they want to hear us.
1: Well, uh, tough luck because we've just been talking for an hour. So we are, we, we we are poop. So we need callers to help us out. Well,
0: we got a caller. Linus. Thank you, Linus. Hello, Linus.
1: Well, that
2: was, uh, I didn't even realize I was calling in. Anyways, hi, good morning. Oh. Good to talk to both of you. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, anyways, yeah, big, big fan, been uh, watching both of you for a few years, um, and I uh, love your work.
1: Uh, I really don't have a question prepared uh-huh. or anything like that, it's an accident that I called in. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. Any content is good content. So just your voice is is good enough. So thank you for calling right.
2: me. No, no problem. Anyways, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, big, um, I love all your work uh, debunking Russia. Gate. of course, a big Julian Assange uh, fan waiting on a new shirt today, actually. It's out for delivery. And um, anyways, you guys keep doing what you're doing. I'll call prepared one of these days.
3: Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay.
1: Hello, next caller.
4: Hello. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Mate. Well, I have nothing special to say, really, but I just called in to uh, fill up the silence. It's very strange that. Uh, well, you
0: can you can fill up the silence by saying good well, morning to, to Ms. Halper also. Since you, 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 oh, you, you singled out you. Mr. Mate, oh, so I'm just shamelessly asking
4: nice for it. Oh, good you. morning to you, also. Mr. Thank friend. you so much. Thank you.
0: I, thank you very much. I naturally, I, feel watched,
4: I naturally watched the live stream last Tuesday. It went rather well, I thought.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Very, Thanks uh, a lot.
4: Very. Uh, yeah, you can, very everyone can watch that. On.
0: Uh, YouTube.com slash the Katie Helper show.
4: Yeah.
0: My guest is great.
4: Oh, color is coming in now. So I'll leave you to the next one.
0: Okay. Um, Ramona. Ramona, you there.
5: Hello. Well, I'm trying to unmute, but it does. not Oh, yeah,
0: we can hear you. Yep, yeah, you're unmuted now.
5: Okay. You're unmuted. Yes. I just thought I would point out that I'm uh, usually in Washington State, but I'm here visiting family in Kansas. And right. uh, I had my Kansas
0: brother-in-law who's a lifelong Republican and my sister who's probably more of a very moderate democrat listening and she was the one
5: that left the room during <laughs> the, the broadcast and my uh my republican uh, brother-in-law stuck it out and chuckled over a few things just wanted to let you guys know that i'm trying to spread the word thanks all right
0: awesome, awesome. thank you thanks
1: guys bye that's very kind thank you Ramona. Bye and uh best to you and your family Uh, we really appreciate that um okay uh amanda
6: good monday morning to you too
0: good monday morning
6: so listening to all of this marjorie taylor green acting all progressive and Democrats acting all conservative and crazy, right? I mean, has anybody, like, really considered applying the actual 1984 narrative to what's happening with doublespeak right now? Or, or maybe it's just, you know, you've heard this theory about the magnetic poles at some point in the Earth's history have shifted from south to north and vice versa. Maybe we have a pole shift about to happen and this this political crazy doublespeak stuff is just the just like a like you know how animals can tell if there's an earthquake coming. Maybe politicians can kind of without knowing it tell us that we're about to have magnetic pole shift.
0: What, sorry, say that again. What What is it that you think that, poli- you broke up for a second. What is it you think that politicians will, will do?
6: They're an indicator of, of a magnetic pole shift in the planet. You've heard that of this theory?
5: Scary...
6: <laughs> yeah, it would mess things up kind of a lot.
0: Yeah.
6: But... I, it's so crazy it makes me almost want to become Republican because they're starting to represent the things that I think are the right thing It really sucks. I'm not happy about it neither is my cat
0: Oh yeah I hear
1: that yeah it sucks <laughs> I, I I totally agree it's uh it's very strange when like you know. As I've talked about a lot, I mean, what's considered progressive and left now means, um, you know, voting for billions of dollars to give to the military industrial complex. That's considered the left position now, and it's it's changing the meaning of what traditional left-right is, and uh, I don't like it. It's uh, It's difficult. And thank you, Amanda, for the call. All right, Rich.
4: Hello? Hi there. Uh, I was thinking about Marjorie Taylor Greene also. It seems like who better to question the war in Ukraine than Marjorie Taylor Greene to discredit uh, a peace movement.
7: Right.
4: And, and I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it seems like I could picture somebody going up to her in Congress and said, hey, do you want to say this? As the peace movement is non-existent in America, I just thought I was wondering what you thought about. So, that. somebody
1: who wants to make the peace movement look silly will pick Marjorie Taylor Greene as the person to uh advocate some of its positions. Is that what yes? You're saying? Yes. Right. Well, hey, that's it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's possible. That's possible. <laughs> who knows? Who knows in this crazy world what people? You know, people are that cynical. I can imagine. But um yeah, I mean, look there is a faction of the trump movement that claims to be anti that claims to be anti-intervention and trump did have success in 2016 based off of that messaging right when he he claimed that he was against you know the interventions in libya and syria and all that stuff uh, but of course what did he do upon taking office he adopted the exact policy that he claimed to criticize and but i think some republicans learned that there's a retort, that there's an electoral appeal in taking that position so that's what i think is behind some of these Republicans um, taking that stance. And then of course there are genuine libertarians inside the Republican party that, that are, you know, against all intervention. Um, But then that translates to them also, you know, having, you know, views I really disagree with domestically because they're against all kinds of government um, uh, activities, whether it's military activities or it's, but it's regulating at home. But um, that does mean that on war, sometimes they will come out on the right side because of their, libertarian views
4: yeah and I, I just wonder what um uh, you know a shift in the government would look like where the united states would stop intervening in the world and i have a hard time uh even picturing what that would look like
1: yeah uh it doesn't really change no matter who's in power because the permanent bureaucracy is always there and uh Look, Trump's a good example. When Trump tried to do something positive, like withdraw from Syria and Afghanistan, he, he was undermined. Um, in Syria, his, his, uh, his, his aides literally undermined his own orders. I mean, that, that's just a, a fact. And uh, James Jeffrey, who was like Trump's envoy for Syria, bragged about that, that they lied to the White House about troop numbers to keep U.S. troops in Syria. So it's, even if a president tries to do something, uh he's he or she is not ultimately really in charge All right yeah
4: well thank you very much i i really uh enjoy you both thanks
0: thank
1: you thank you
0: thanks for calling in
1: okay thomas
8: Thomas, I can't hear you. How about now? There you go. Oh, I had to do some setting things. Um, Thanks, guys, for uh, the show and and really your just approach to the world at this point. Uh, Trying to keep up with everything makes me feel a little insane. And uh, you guys' humor helps tremendously. Um, I do want to apologize uh, for misbehaving in the chat, Katie, when you guys had Marianne Williamson on. Uh, during the election night. I, I think that, yeah. that's bad look. Sorry. Um, but uh, Aaron, I um, wanted to uh, lift you up for your uh, heroic fight against uh, Neil Abrams on Twitter. I honestly can't follow what's going on there anymore. But um, I will say that, like just trying to understand the history of all that has led me to understand uh, the, the, um, the the actual history of what took place in 2014 13 and, and earlier in ukraine so much better um and i just wanted to uh, ask a quick question um when do you plan to follow up with your uh second part of the series on um, uh the white helmets in syria uh thanks for
1: Uh, the kind words. And yes, I am working on the second part. These Syria OPCW stories take me so long. I work on them for months because it's just such a, um, it's such a sensitive topic and there's so much material for me to go through that it just takes me a lot. It's of all the things I write about, it takes me by far the longest because I, you know, I, I just, I have to be extra careful about what I put out. And so I've been working on the second part for a long time, and I've had to uh, put it off to the side because I'm working on this Russiagate Ukraine book that I really need to finish so I can get it out to the world. And so as soon as that is done, which I'm hoping is this month, I'll be returning to the Siri OPCW story because there's a lot more to do on that. There's um, a lot that hasn't come out yet that really uh, needs to come out, and I
8: just haven't had the time to do it. All right. Well, I look forward to it. And again, just appreciate you guys tremendously. Katie, thanks so much for your uh, principled stance on uh, Palestine. And sorry to see what happened at the Hill. You deserve way better than that. Oh, thanks. Thank you. All right. Later, guys. Thanks.
0: Uh, You guys, tweet this out if you haven't already. Share the gospel. Aaron, did you tweet it
1: out? Uh, I'll do that right now.
0: All
1: right. Awesome. Ian, go ahead. Hello, you guys.
9: Hello.
0: Hello.
9: So, um, I'm the caller from Brazil, and I actually would like to, to ask you to comment on Miko's take on sanctioning Israel. I mean, I'm not so sure that would be... You know, that would work, and I think it could, like, could empower Israel to keep the blockade on Gaza, you know? What would be both of you guys, both of your takes on that?
0: Well, okay, so he, he's asking about sanctions and, and BDS, and and Nico at my live show, uh, which we recorded too, and you can watch it as a stream or listen to it as a podcast, uh, youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show, or the Katie Helper Show on uh, iTunes, uh, Apple or SoundCloud. But, um, you know, It's interesting. Sorry, I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. Okay, it didn't come. It's interesting because, Aaron, I'm curious what you have to say about this because this is something I (sighs) call across a bunch of, uh, I think about a lot. Uh, I'm against sanctioning. Obviously, we're very anti-sanctions, and we always point out how it's the, the normal people who pay the price, not the powerful. But there were sanctions in South Africa that I think progress. Well, I know progressives supported, um, and obviously progressives uh, who aren't perhaps progressive except on Palestine support sanctioning Israel. So how do, how do we reconcile those things, Aaron? What do you say? Because I I feel like I've struggled with this. Uh,
1: I think BDS is a good organizing tool. It's a simple slogan. You know, boycott, divestment, sanctions. Um, And so that's what I think it is. I don't think the idea of sanctions is, it's, um, I mean, first of all, I don't think it's ever going to happen, at least in the U.S. where Israel will be sanctioned. But also, look, my only critique of it is that what I find, uh, uh, I think emphasizing sanctions is misplaced because what would be far more effective on Israel It's not if you sanction it, but if you just cut off the aid to it and the U.S. gives Israel billions of dollars. In aid every single year, and it's that money that sustains the occupation and sustains Israel's displacement of Palestinians. And uh, if you to cut that off, that's not a sanction. That's just that's just cutting off money that 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 is being transferred from U.S. taxpayers to to Israel and so that's what i think the focus should be is cutting off um the subsidies for israel that that basically that basically allows it to keep oppressing palestinians and so um that's my only critique of 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 the call for sanctions is that i just think it's not i mean i, I don't have any problem with sanctioning a government that's that's like you know founded on displacing the indigenous population and then occupying them i mean i i think <laughs> I'm totally okay with sanctions there, but, um, uh, especially if but don't we think
0: don't sanctions hurt normal people. I mean, isn't that well, they, the they, they deserve, honestly,
1: them? if you're living under a government that is stolen land and occupying them and is for, mm. for decades and has made no effort at all to resolve the, the issue and has actually made every effort to deepen your occupation, then you're just like apartheid South Africa. I think it's totally fair to impose sanctions, but, but they have to, but they, I don't believe in, in uh, unilateral sanctions uh, because that allows countries like the U S to basically bully like whoever they want and suffocate whoever they want as the U S is doing. So I believe in sanctions if they're approved by the United Nations, um, mm. if, if they're passed, you know, with the overwhelming support of the world. So then I think it's appropriate, but again, I think even something far more effective would be just to lobby for or to campaign for cutting off U.S. military subsidies and and other subsidies that bankroll Israel. That to me is where the focus should be.
9: Well, yeah, and I I asked that because Norman Fulkenstein also criticized BDS, you know, on that first interview yeah. with Katie. So I was yeah. curious that. And also because uh, the Brazilian government made donations, you know, of humanitarian aid to Gaza, like, back in 2010. And, like, the Jewish community in Brazil still likes to say that Lula helped Hamas, you know, and they helped terrorist organizations. And, I mean, they could sanction us back, you know. The thing is that
0: they're going to say that no matter what. I mean, well, not no matter what, but they're going to say that Israel ticked on no matter what. So I think that uh, it's like if I thought that Israel would respond to something if we didn't do sanctions, I would support uh, if we didn't do media. I mean, the truth is they're not going to BDS is just a tactic. It's a way of raising awareness. Oh, is my sound not good? I'll go into another room. Um. Hold on. Tell me if my sound is better now. One second. Let me shut off my Bluetooth. Tell me if it's better now. Is it better now, my sound? Yes. Okay. Um. It's n- none of this is going to work. I don't think that's a sad thing. But I. Think okay. What well,
1: if- <laughs> on that optimistic note, uh, thank Ian. Thank you for the call. Uh, thank you. And Maria. Thanks. And you know, Kitty. You know, I disagree. I do think if there was enough of a movement to cut off money to Israel, that that would be make a huge difference. And I think I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It happened for apartheid South Africa. It just takes more, you know, education and organizing. And and there's been a really effective Palestinian solidarity movement in the U.S. that has accomplished some some achievements. And I th- I think that could happen. Um, and uh, especially if if the goal was just cutting off money. I mean, which which we give, which which like goes from U.S. taxpayers yeah, I think to Israel. More like attainable,
0: attainable yeah, attainable goal. Yeah. Then yeah. yeah, I think that could happen more quickly.
1: Yeah. But also, I I, I, I agree that sanctions. More- I agree that getting sanctions approved is pretty unlikely. But
0: you know. yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, Maria, go ahead.
5: Uh yeah. Good morning to the both of you. Uh. I can't help but saying that yesterday on the call in with you Aaron somebody was saying that you, know, you you need to to place your your talents and gifts in other places why why didn't you just tell this guy that you love you love hanging out with useful idiots and this is how you like spending your time. And you actually do an incredible service to all of us. You, Matt, you know, Katie, you know, all of you. You do an incredible service to this audience.
1: Well, thanks. Listen, listen, what I heard, if I remember correctly, what the caller said was that he didn't like listening to useful idiots. And so, what I think I said to him was like, there's a really easy solution is you don't have to listen to useful idiots. Um, um, that's what I think he said. I, I, and uh,
0: I defend from that. You absolutely.
1: <laughs> <have questions. laughs> yeah, so it's mandatory. Okay, well, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I he, he, he I did.
5: I heard you say that now yeah. that you mention it, but you also said you were looking to get back to whatever platforms when you're had time and you know, are done with your book, which which no, is No, no,
1: no, okay, listen. You're you're mixing up callers. Um you're mixing up callers. So this one caller complained about my presence on Use Plitiates. And I said to that caller, I said, uh you know uh that you don't have to listen to it if you if you don't like it uh, and then someone Wait, were else
0: they asked a Matt, were they an originalist were they a metaeeb
1: fan I no. don't remember no. yeah yeah no and then but then someone else asked me about what you know about like plan and then some other caller asked me about like what's next for me and uh you know like and and I'll, and, and whether or not there's going to be like a like a, a turning point where like voices like mine Reach more people, and that's when I said that one day I'd like to get back into kind of like what I used to do, which was daily news production at at, at Democracy Now and do a show like that. So you're you're mixing up two different callers, and the, the uh, so basically, um, obviously I, I love doing Useful Idiots. We've been doing it. I've been I've been doing it with Kid and F for almost a year, and it's it's been great. And uh, all I said to the first caller was, if "You don't like it, just don't listen to it," which, which I thought was, was pretty obvious
5: well i i just want to do a solid high five to both of you forever and always you're freakishly useful uh, and you know i'm i'm in your tribe and i i know so much more than i otherwise would have known you know because of your integrity and well, you Maria, thank you. That's, that's really, really. Nice. That's, I, you're you're yeah. such a valuable resource to.
1: We, thank you, Maria. That's really, really kind of you, and we really appreciate the support. That's very kind. So, thank you for calling.
0: I don't even say, Maria, to comment this
1: way. <laughs> All right, Nazar.
0: Thanks, Maria. Hi, Nazar. Hello. Hey there. Hey, how's Can
10: it going? You? Good Monday morning.
0: Good Monday morning.
10: How are y'all? Uh, I just wanted to say really quickly, um, I found in the past week
8: that I've started more political conversations, productive political conversations with oh. people who wanted to talk to me about Dave Chappelle's SNL appearance right. because it was amazing. I was just curious if what y'all's thoughts were on it.
10: And in the spirit of saying the uh, quiet part out loud, as a Palestinian who was born and raised in, like, probably the waspiest suburb of all, Texas.
2: I love that my two favorite Jews host the best political podcast out there.
0: Wow. We should make a bumper sticker that says that.
10: (laughs) You guys are awesome. Uh, So, anyways, I'll I'll hop off. Just wanted to hear what you guys had to say
1: about Chappelle.
0: Aaron, you have a lot of thoughts on Chappelle, right?
1: Well, look, I'm I'm a big Diff Chappelle fan, and uh but I you know, I haven't always thought he was at his best. Like I, I do think that with the trans stuff he descended into some into some bigotry and it just wasn't funny. Um yeah. and uh but with this I thought it was so funny. Um because it's true that Jews do have an influential role in Hollywood and media. That it's just true. I mean I you know, I and I've experienced some of it like firsthand. Um And he's making fun of all that. And he's making fun of how you can't talk about it. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was so funny. And uh, I think he's a genius. And um, I I find this whole freak out and this effort to police what black celebrities say about Jews, I find it really embarrassing. And um, it's, you know, it's on its own. I think it's really silly. But then you look at also at the moment that it's coming in where the U.S. is spending billions of dollars to, Uh, you know, arm a government that has a major neo-Nazi presence inside its armed forces. You know, the Azov Battalion is a neo-Nazi paramilitary organization. It's formally incorporated into Ukraine's military. And, you know, despite U.S. laws on the books banning such assistance, they're receiving U.S. military assistance. And Azov is not the only neo-Nazi formation inside of Ukraine. And you don't see any, any outrage at all among all these prominent Jewish groups about that um, and all and, and and all these liberals freaking out about what Kyrie Irving or Kanye West or or dave Chappelle say and that just speaks to you know complete hypocrisy and what I think is a long time effort to basically try to you know police what uh, black um, media personalities are, are allowed to say and I find it very you know being Jewish I find it very shameful and so I appreciate what dave Chappelle did and, you know, there's a part in his monologue where he kind of like he basically he, he makes a joke about Gate And he says that he was embarrassed when Democrats came out and accused Trump of being a Russian agent. He, he says he said that was embarrassing. But then he says, actually, but maybe it looks like he was colluding with Russia. And people took that, you know, some friends of mine took that as him actually pandering to like American liberals or Russia Gate. But I still I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm seeing this with um, you know, in a in a Pollyannish way, but I, I thought he was actually still making fun of it, of the whole Russia thing. But regardless, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, even if he believes him, I don't care. It's it was funny, <laughs> and he, and I, right. I, I you know I really like. I mean,
0: it. the punchline was the punchline was well, it looks like he was talking to Russia, so I feel like he ended up on the uh, Russia gate is right tip.
8: Which, which kind of stood really, out. Just yeah. really quickly, no, no, his punchline was he was probably colluding with Russia. And so yeah, uh, which, he's which basically I, saying that there's no evidence. We still don't have evidence. It's oh, still I missed that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, it's like still a said,
0: under- read it that way, okay.
1: He said it in kind of a light-hearted way, and I thought it was just, anyway, but, but whatever, it was just, uh, you know, uh, it was funny, and uh, he has a it great was, joke. In, in his latest special, he has a great joke about Palestine. Uh, oh, where he's like, it- where, you know I don't want to do it, but it's really really funny, right. and it's it's such a good critique of of Israel and what Israel does. And uh, yeah, his 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 movie joke, right? Yes, space space Jews, space yeah. Jews, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, Nazar, Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. All right. Masha.
11: Hi, good morning, Katie and Aaron. Good
1: morning. It's so good to see you
11: again. I used to call in all the time, but I've been in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, Hey, so I've been in Central Europe for several months and um, haven't, you know, haven't had a chance to interact with much um, like English based or Western media in general. But I do want to kind of like tell you all that the sense of surreality that, like, in the chat and some of your previous callers have talked about is definitely something that's present right now in Central Europe. Like, the the kind of impotent dismay with, like, the new rules-based order and the reality of being less than an object in the, like, global narrative, like, just maybe some part of the hostile landscape from which resources must be extracted. Like, this, is, this has kind of been... The, the feeling amongst like people in the Balkans and kind of like Southeastern South Europe for a longer period of time. And it is intensifying. So,
0: remind us where you're from?
11: I was, um, I came to Canada with my family as a refugee from the former Yugoslavia.
0: Okay. And where are you now?
11: So now I'm back in Canada, but I was in Central Europe sort of trying to visit some of the family that are still there, like basically all over from Greece to Lebanon to Croatia, oh, wow. yeah. That were kind of scattered to the winds because we're a multi-ethnic ethnic family. So as they sort of like as that state broke down into sort of like ethno states, m- much right. of my family was scattered because of like you know inter-ethnic marriage and so forth. So yeah, just trying to see people before potentially the end of the world. So oh, no. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that surreality is definitely, like, maybe, like, to American listeners, like, hey, welcome, because that's, that's how a lot of us have felt. Like, we, we're completely impotent, like, n- not voting, not activism, like, nothing will change what's done in our in our name, on our territories, on our behalf, like, no matter what we do or who we speak to or how informed we are. That's, uh-huh. We're just objects to be extracted, like, resources are extracted from nothing
0: not even subjects so yeah and you're saying that you you're getting the sense that Americans are feeling this more now than before
11: yeah I'm hearing that a lot more like there's a lot of um, like this idea that Uh, that were quote in the upside down as one of your um, uh, listeners wrote in the group chat and a lot of sort of like people that were definitely uh, identifying and probably still identify as like left of center or progressive feeling ideologically homeless because of the sort of like the capitulation of not just like left supposedly nominally left parties but also sort of like the cycle of capitulation speeding up on sort of like alternate news outlets like the hill rising the intercept right like every time there's a supposedly progressive or leftist outlet like basically very quickly it's it's kind of captured by either warmongers or other kind of identitarians or you know that that type of thing yeah it's depressing <laughs> Anyway, so really just wanted to say hi and thanks for for continuing to do this and to take calls. And um, yeah, that's I think a lot of the the stuff on your Monday. I, I watched your Monday morning on YouTube and I, I can still kind of laugh about it, but it also seems increasingly desperate. Like it's it does remind me of like the last days of like the Yugoslav socialist state, like where everybody knew that everybody was stealing and everybody in power knew that all the people knew. <laughs> and like, there's just like this sense of sort of like increased hostility and, and like, um, yeah, deprivation and powerlessness. So that's something that feels a bit, um, a bit like a dangerous and, and on edge while we're all still laughing publicly, right? But But suffering quietly so that's
0: all i wanted to say thanks that's a lot what edges has said cuz i guess he he spent time over there like he has in most places honestly he's traveled all over he's covered so many places but he talked about like the balkanization
11: yeah that
0: he's yeah. here
11: yeah definitely and so i i and he's very good on that subject i have to say chris edges but um i you know a lot of people will talk about the national divorce like um talking about fragmentation and balkanization as potentially a positive thing. And, and maybe it would be, but I don't think that, I think that, okay, so state sovereignty is completely compromised. There's no such thing anymore. Um, so maybe like fragment the tax base that that supports some of the the massive evil that's being done with like American taxpayers' money. That might seem like a solution, but in the meantime, that that fragmentation, like that, the destructiveness of those processes is not something that can be overstated like i really don't think that americans know what they're asking for when they when they talk about how that could potentially be positive
0: oh well thanks for the warning (laughs) but i think it's important thanks hi yeah we missed masha all righty um brady hey brady
2: I got a cool one for you guys. Did y'all hear about the FBI raid on the UFO guy? No. So the FBI raided this ran a website called like uh, something Resort. Um, this Resort called. But uh, he had ran like an Area 51 website, like of Area 51. It's called Dreamland Resort is the name of the site. And apparently he was just posting pictures of the Air Force and FBI swatted both of his homes, uh, pulled his girlfriend out of uh, her home um, barefoot and in her underwear in front of all her neighbors at gunpoint.
6: Yeah.
2: And um, so it might be a bit of a government overreach story in regards to journalism. And then I'm having a real existential crisis when it comes to the Iranian propaganda that's coming out. Because like last night on TikTok, I'm watching these stories that people are posting where it looks like you can hear like women screaming and then machine guns going off. And apparently there's people shooting people in subways with shotguns. And I'm just like. What's going on? I have no context for really the videos or anything and it'd be really nice to have someone kind of go through all of this kind of video evidence and break it down and give us some insight on that. And then I'm also interested in the Marco Polo report, which is the Hunter Biden Marco Polo report that came out. Um, any insight on that would be cool. And outside of that, just force the payout.
1: Force the payout. <laughs> uh, Brady, We have no insight for you, unfortunately. Uh, I have not followed really any of the things that you're talking about. Um, But, like, what is the Marco Polo, like, what is the Hunter Biden-Marco Polo thing? What's that?
2: This is so juicy, dude. All right, so a bunch of, uh, I guess, uh, some Donald Trump cabinet members uh, released this. They funded this report. And it highlights like 450 plus crimes that Hunter Biden committed on this laptop, as well as a bunch of crimes that Joe Biden committed. And um, they're laying okay. out all the evidence in this huge 600 page report that they sent to every contact on the laptop, including all of the former classmates of Hunter Biden, along with a memo that suggested that the school he went to played a role in his corruption. They also sent it to every okay. member of Congress in the Senate.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, um, I haven't heard of that, but uh, certainly it sounds like there'll be a lot more Hunter Biden news um, with, uh, you know, the, there's a new CBS story I saw today about Hunter Biden, which I haven't seen yet. But, you know, look, we're going to be hearing about all this stuff for um, for a long time. And, and and look, you know, I don't you know, um, Hunter Biden obviously has had a lot of personal problems. And um, what I just find to me, the most important part of the Hunter Biden saga is not his own personal corruption, which I think is honestly pretty standard in Washington. I don't think he's unique. The financial issues. But what I do think is the fact that his, you know, is that stupid scam where before the election, you had uh, pretty much the entire US media and and tech and big tech essentially colluding to suppress Mm -hmm. the story on the fake ground that it was Russian disinformation. And that to me is just the, And now uh, it's coming
2: out that Nancy Pelosi's son was also doing energy business in Ukraine, I think, back in
1: 2017. Well, that wouldn't surprise me if true. All right, Brady, thank you for the call. Thanks, guys.
7: Thanks. Thank you. All right. Gator. Hey, Katie. Hey, Aaron. How you doing? Hi there. Hey. Um, I'm just wondering, in the big Twitter picture, uh, maybe this is a bit OTT, but I'm just wondering where... What your is on on how important the it's the so-called Elon Musk drama is because Wait,
0: what's, OTT? what's
7: OTT? over the top um uh, because if we look at like what musk is he's an he's basically a military industrial security complex contractor right his starlink dish is actually integrated into the water drones that were attacking the um russian fleet recently there's been pictures released of those drones and show that 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 his receiver is on that drone for example right now he also runs you know um tesla which is 20th ish 19 to 20th on the most unreliable cars in america his company's valued far in excess of any other car company but it produces far radically less cars so there's a bit more than just cars going on and he's also being sued for um, false advertising for um, autopilot that doesn't work. So, Musk is not, my point being that Musk is not a straightforward, benevolent oligarch. And I would sort of ask you what your take is as a journalist about the, the social importance of Twitter, given that one of the ways of looking at it is just, it's just part of the digital panopticon for our attention, where we lock ourselves in, we watch. You know, but half of it's bots, half of it's random people, and there's some quality people making some points in there. But it robs us of our attention and locks us into this panopticon. And, and what is what is Musk amongst all of that, other than just a change of face at the top to kind of make us believe that the panopticon is not the panopticon? And we just continue to engage with it for what purpose, if you see what I mean? Any strong feelings or reaction to that? yeah I,
1: I um I've never saw seen Elon Musk as a savior figure um, and I think the like like the fact that it costs forty four billion dollars for a website is just I mean it's just the, the whole the whole thing is so obscene but um I do think that the old regime of Twitter was uh, it was messed up. it was I mean like I thought centering Trump was pretty ridiculous. I just like selectively centering people for spreading false claims. I just, I don't want to give anyone the power to do that. I think either you believe in free speech or you don't. And also, I mean, um, there were people I know working for Twitter with uh, bad agendas and trying to, you know, suppress um, rep- like factual, factual reporting on, on stories that challenged, you know, the NATO state narrative. Um, and I don't know, what Elon Musk's agenda is there, whether he's going to continue that or not. But I, I I do think that the way things were working before was not, it's not as if it was like, it was like a model of perfection before Elon Musk. And um, as for what he's doing now and whether or not Twitter is going to be ruined, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Certainly a lot of people are leaving, but um, I think part of the freak out about Elon Musk has to do with concern that actually, whether it's whether it's uh, justified concern or not, is that he's actually going to try to restore some semblance of free speech, and that's why there's efforts to sort of uh, that's why you have advertisers pulling money and CBS News saying they're pulling out of Twitter for a bit because I, I think they're actually concerned that that free speech actually might
7: come back. How about you, Katie? Anything?
0: Um. I basically co signed what Aaron said. I don't have that much to add.
1: Okay. Gator, thanks for the call, Matthew. Yeah. Hello.
4: Hi. Hello. I actually was wondering cuz I I didn't see the money.
0: We can't hear you. You're that happens last time I don't know what it is. It's like every fifth word is clipped.
6: Okay.
1: Wi Fi, that's. Seen a- okay, sorry, Matthew. We just can't understand you. We'll have to move on. Joshua, go ahead. Uh, I, I got to do a mic check.
12: Can you actually hear me? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. So I just want to talk a little bit to, about domestic policy if we can Um, and how tied we can have workers, movements, unions, cooperatives, you know, that type of what, you know, our current paradigm would call socialist type organizations really dominate the narrative. Uh, And especially in regards to anti-war, because we have to like build these things that kill people. Right. Um, So, Uh, And how infiltrated and or co-opted are our unions currently by, uh, well, essentially people that have 401ks or ties to continuing to uh, build things that we don't need, produce and consume stuff for the sake of essentially late stage capitalism when we do actually have an existential threat in the long term, not necessarily this generation in climate change? Um, and how we don't seem to be able to do a general strike. Um, There's a lot of fractionalization um, and gatekeeping. Um, So I know this is kind of long and winding, but you guys had the People's Forum, I believe this last week. Um, And uh, I would assume that some of this stuff came up, but I don't want to make an ass out of you and I or us. Um, and I did uh, I did send that to uh, AOC, so let me know if she showed up. Uh, I, I sent it to her blue check mark thing, so those are real, right? But uh, I'm, I'm curious if she showed up.
0: No, she didn't. Huh. Maybe she was part of the group of people who got turned away.
12: Oh, were they clamoring at the doors and you guys no, wouldn't let them in? It wasn't
0: terrible. Uh... Uh, I, I talked about this during the, the um, Monday morning. Some people came 10 minutes late and like couldn't come in. Uh, and I don't, locked for 10 minutes and people came in. Um, so that's what I was referring to. And-
12: okay. Well, I mean, I guess I just wanted to get your guys' take on how unions and really the workers movement holding the line as long as in an- effectively as they can and joining forces can really help us in the anti-war uh, section because uh, we need to breathe life into it I think from a lot of people's perspective at least from what I hear on this call but uh, I definitely I'm in probably an echo chamber to some extent
1: uh. yeah of course I've always thought that the assault on unions um, is a major impediment to you know uh, saving democracy in the U S because without workers organized, we, we have no shot of really, I think doing anything effective. And I think that's why unions have been attacked over the last, uh, century. So of course I just don't know what to do about it. Um, I you know, but I, it's, it's, uh, and in fact, you know, there was, I forgot, I forgot who writes about this, but, um, I mean there's so many ways in which the assault on unions just hurts society, so I think it was maybe Gerald Horn or somebody wrote about the link between the assault on unions and then an increase in white supremacy because when, yeah. you, take, when you take away workers' ability to organize then you know people will look to other ways to have community in some in some area in some places what fills the void is hate groups because people yeah. need something to or you know people naturally. Need, Something to organize around it and to come together around and so um i mean the the uh, the assault on 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 unions uh, which there's a just a long history in this country especially is uh is so devastating and yeah um I just don't know what the answer is now because you know there is an issue of unions uh like the leadership in this country just being corrupt and what to do about that it's a, it's it's a tough one.
0: Well, he also says that it's, the, yeah, it's yeah. the purging of communists from the unions that made it so that, like, right. there was no radical education for workers to understand, Yeah. You know, so it's like a double thing. It, was, it wasn't just the assaults on unions, but also the de-radicalization the of unions. Yeah.
1: The, the thing is, it's just, we're, we're not, I mean, like, I'm not a working class person you know so it's like i the the answers are not going to come from people like me uh it's it's going to come from the working class and i will follow whatever lead is chosen there it's just very but it's it's a huge issue
12: Uh, i I mean do you see that they're trying to blame inflation on the working class while they're essentially manipulating and doing the same things they've always done no what do you
0: have
6: though
12: Well, well, I mean, I would say essentially definitely the, the, the neoliberal, neocon perspective in both ways is ratcheting up on like, hey, if we just go back to work, everything's going to be fine, right? And it's workers not wanting – well, when you see on the Sunday programs, which I don't watch, I can't, um, you know, that's essentially – that was the party line, <laughs> Um, but you know, this is also the alt right playbook being played out at home from my perspective. So, you know, it's not, uh, to me, that's not rocket science. I just, the workers, I think at some point need to wake up to their abuser and be like, Hey, you can't be blaming me for the abuse you're doing upon me. Like that's domestic violence 101. Um, and you know, I, I, I want to give some credit to Amanda for kind of, uh, Spiriting these thoughts for me because she tried to do a call last night and uh, some horrible person decided to troll it in a vicious way in a violent, emotionally abusive way and ruined it. And uh, it was really a good call with union organizers that on the ground in California trying to get this stuff done. So um, anyway, thanks for the time today.
1: Thank you. Okay. Lent.
3: Hey guys. How you doing? Hey. Hey. Good, you? Yeah, on that last point, I'm, uh, I'm a teamster, local
8: 317.
3: Oh, right. Uh, well, dormant. So all I have to do is pay $50,000 of back dues to the 80s and I can reinstate my seniority. So technically, but I was a teamster and, uh, you know, I, I'm pro-union all the way and all that. And, uh it's going to be very interesting if this rail strike happens, which it looks more and more like it might. And I don't think people realize that UPS strike next year, that's going to be a monster. Because one thing I have to say, UPS drilled into us, the corporation. We're the biggest, don't call, don't call it a trucking company, but more trucks on the road, more people. Now FedEx and everything didn't exist, but that's going to be huge. If you think the railroad strike is going to shut us down, no more UPS drivers, it's going to be, wow, that's going to be huge. And that's, you know, what, next year, according to what they're saying, the tougher new union and uh, at least at the national level, my local here stinks. But anyway, uh, could I go though (laughs) on what my topic was going to be quickly? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? I love old movies and I'm a geezer, so I kind of grew up on a lot of 60s TV and an old movie then that was 20 or 30 years old from the 60s was a movie from the you know, late 30s or 40s. You know, so the the, the more recent kind of still probably I'll tell you something. Going back to the dead end kids, the Bowery Boys, right? These kids that were like these juvenile delinquent hoodlums. And they became the biggest stars in the country. So you had Jimmy Cagney, Humphrey Bogart, you know, doing movies with these guys. And there was always a kid in the limo, some rich kid, you know. That was always like maybe the the the, the civilized woman who became the female lead, and she whatever. It was it had the plots were all pretty much the same. Then as now, you capitalize right on a on a you know recycling plot. And it was the kid in the limo who'd get beat up by the Bowery Boys, and then realize, oh man, you know they taught me a little, you know. And then he would stand up for himself, and he would fight the kids, and then he would get accepted by the Bowery Boy, dirty-faced juvenile delinquents in the city. It was never the other way around. It was never this erudite young kid. Oh, yes, guys, I'm going to teach you how you can go to Harvard someday. It's like, fuck you. (laughs) You know, it was never that way. Every billionaire since the robber barons in every movie, and I defy anyone to find one example that's different, at best a complicated character like Howard Hughes. (laughs) Okay. Every billionaire was portrayed like the Monopoly man. They were always out of touch. And guess what else? They acknowledged it. Well, you know, of course I can't really, I'm not supposed to have lunch with you today because you're not one of them. It wasn't even hidden. It wasn't even a question. Now we have... Warren Buffett, oh gosh darn it! I wish I could pay taxes like my. I only do exactly what the area All gray, no gray area. Screw okay. you, Be, huh? Bezos, yeah. Bezos and Musk say, hey guys, I'm going to Mars, and of course he's going to do a lottery, right? Or they're going to round up all the homeless and all the deserving people and take them with them. Why is this like we we applaud this like? wow, they're going to take us all to Mars. No, they're going to take the millionaires and billionaires because they know they've destroyed the freaking planet. How is that something that's like, wow, great. Yeah, <laughs> with giant
1: rocket. Thank you so Lens. much for, for that. You're you're exactly right. The, the billionaires are supposed to be our, our heroes now. They used to be the villains. Oh, for,
3: now, uh, Bezos. Yeah, yeah, thank you
1: for calling. Will, you know, but how did this happen, guys? I'd love Well, it it's a great question. Uh, it's just in a society in which the billionaires have gotten even even wealthier and their wealth even more concentrated, they've just bought off media. So now they all own it. Um, you know, the the amount of newspapers uh, has shrunk. The amount of independent news outlets has shrunk and everything is more consolidated now. And now you have billionaires controlling everything. So, of course, the media will reflect the interests of, of their owners. That's just the sad reality. Uh, and with that, I have to jump off, uh, but Katie's going to okay. keep this, this okay. call going. So bye everybody. And I'll see you next time, but but stay uh, on with Katie and everybody else. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let me take the next caller and we got talking to us. Uh,
10: Lee. Hello, Katie. Yeah. Hi. Uh, hi. Hi. And I'm sorry I didn't also catch Aaron. I appreciate you all and Matt so much and hey. have for a long time MSNBC is, it, it is so, so many people are just drinking the Kool-Aid and with the Times and the Post and everything. And I've been around for a while and it's it, it means I have a little desperation in wanting to share what you all are doing even to a more seasoned crowd, but all ages. I mean, my kids are more your ages, and they are just as frustrated. I mean, people aren't going to read my screenshots, but any clips, I can't afford to get everybody's subscriptions, but I, I subscribe to you all. And about a year ago, maybe, do you remember when you, and I think it was Matt, I think it was before Aaron, you had, was it Nils Meltzer, the UN?
0: Nils Meltzer, yeah.
10: Yeah, I wanted to also ask Aaron but you could you'll you'll have a equally insightful response how how can, might we bring light to his work and I for all I know he's disappeared I mean with with the situation with Assange who used to be everybody's hero and now he's you know, it's just so inhumane what's happening. And it's a, it's supposed to be to let everybody know, to keep your mouth shut, because tribalism is so strong. But how is, is there do you see any way to um, get some maybe senior statesmen speaking out more about the reality? Because. When I talk about it's not just Putin, people go, well, he's not going to do what, he's not going to follow through on an agreement anyway. Is the UN that powerless? I mean, it, like Aaron likes to say, well, because we all know that Putin is, is wrong with what he did, but is there any reality to the, to the response that, well, the UN is ineffective, if, if he had gone to them, they wouldn't have helped?
0: I don't know. I mean, this is something I think a lot of people kind of struggle with. And some people get upset with Aaron or me when we say that we don't condone the invasion. But um, I don't know, honestly. Maybe the U.S. would have put its pressure on the U.N. to to not aid, you know, to not help Russia defend itself
10: because I grew up in the Marine Corps, I lived on NATO bases. I mean, it, it, and I hope in in Aaron's book and in the work you all continue to do that the public can be educated about the 900 military bases we have around the world, that sort of thing. And that's yeah. money that's yeah. not going to, I mean, you both come from educated families and you have psychological insights. There's the cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias. People hear what they think is news, and it's not news, and they don't. And we all need to be reminded: we don't know what we don't know. People don't realize the context, and it's it's not only the history, but there are these psychological facets where people, you know, where with the confirmation bias. And that Nils Melzer was an example that came to mind, where you know he's saying it's illegal what we're doing. With Assange, right, for right. example, and nobody cares what the UN
0: yeah, and Nils guy Nils says. Interesting, because he started out as he writes about in his book, which I highly recommend. I think mm-hmm. everyone read his book; it's so good. It's called "The Trial of Julian Assange." Yeah, how he, he himself was duped at the beginning. He just
10: kind of yes, it. I love that about him. Yeah, yeah, that he he um, explains that he understands how people resist accepting the reality.
0: Right, because he was one of them. But, you know, what's yeah. funny, he and Miko Pellet, I feel like both of them have written books that are so good that everyone should read. Uh, Miko Pellet's book, The General's Son, uh, talks about, you know, being the son of a decorated Israeli general, being a Pram yeah. Zionist, and then becoming uh, an anti-Zionist. And Nils Melzer's book is so good. I feel like those are two books that
10: are... Those are two really- good books. Best- Well, and Medea Benjamin was in holiday gift. Was in yes, good idea. Medea Benjamin with her book, which she was in town here in Portland last week. But even her talk that I saw Oregon, uh, Oregon. I'm in Portland, Oregon. A bunch of nuts here. I mean, as far as the leadership, and it's such a beautiful place, and it could be a beacon to the rest of the world. But again, it makes liberals look like. They don't have good sense. And it's not about the D's or the R's. We all need to, or I believe, you know, there needs and what I see you all doing is building bridges. You have, I love when you have these military fellows come mm-hmm. on who you don't care. It's not about, or when, when some of you and your colleagues get on anything, even if it's Fox News, just to reach more people about, Uh, something that's not propaganda i mean matt's been pushed off you know the most that he can i mean bill mars had him on a couple times but i mean and and he's he's so honest and uh and smart and does his research he knows what he's talking about and the the financials are the probably the most important thing there's the inhumanity but there's also following the money right well, so, yeah. thank you. I mean, I just, I i i got, finally got my old book group to, I've already mentioned this to Matt, th- to read Hate, Inc. And they all just hated it because they, they want to believe Rachel Maddow. They'd have to wow. undo everything they've been talking That's about. Yeah, surprising. well, and it, there's tribalism. There's, right. there's the people, they lose their social group if they speak up. And I, I do it all the time anyway, but I don't do it in a way that I'm, like I am with you now, I don't, I'm not trying to persuade people, but sometimes I feel like I'm part of the problem. It's like what happened with the Holocaust. If you don't speak up a little bit, just so people know that there is other information, but it's so scattered on the internet. They'll say, well, who should I listen to Lee? Well, you know, I mean, you can't just say, listen to Glenn Greenwald or crystal ball or whatever. You know I mean? There's no one place you have to really dig around and yeah. even since you you're a subscription service I get the little clips when you all have some people but even Finkelstein you know the, he's a such a wonderful person and yeah. I have a friend who's been an activist in Iran for a long time and she knows him but you know he's not people who are more middle of the road aren't as likely to take the time to listen right you know but if you have military guys who have you know, who right?
0: Were, that's, I think one of the strengths of
10: having people like that on—I totally agree. I so thank you when you do that, and you're great with them. I mean, the the one that fellow whose name is, is escaping me right now, but who's you know hardcore Republican, but he's right when it Doug comes Harker. to yeah. For example, you know, you're great with him. I mean, you, you know, you're not gonna get, get you know how to navigate that. Yeah, and he because he's still. The part that's most important, he can validate and he has the courage to do it. We right. need more of those people. You know, yeah. I've mentioned Tony McPeak, who's former chief of staff of the Air Force here in Oregon. You know, he hasn't died yet. You know, he's a peer of, you know, like Noam Chomsky and all of that. But, oh, um,
7: cool. you know, Tony I McPeak? just I think
10: the psychology is important, too. I mean, Noam, his last name? Tony McPeak, McPeak. M C P E. I I even sent his contact information to Aaron probably a year ago just because he's, he's kind of, he's retired and I think he's, his marbles are all there, but he's an old buddy from way back and he, we used to email privately because we were on some boards together, but he would talk even in this crazy town which still has a lot of hidden money in it um, about what we need to do, it, you know, whether it's he'd say Lee, cause he was on, he was the co-chair of the, of Obama's campaign back in the day. And he, he would say, Lee, I'm sitting there alone with Obama. And he won't listen to me. This was back when, for example, we needed to get out of Afghanistan right. because there was never any intention of doing the right thing. Right. It's, it's follow the money and not understanding what NATO is. People want to believe NATO is something right. that it's not. And uh, he would stand in front of a big ballroom full of people. And by the time his talk was over, more than half would be gone. Wow. You know, it's that, you know, resistance to... It, of all ages, you know, and these are yeah. professionals. But I I just love him for trying. And and like Daniel Ellsberg, who I adore. He, I mean, yeah. and I talked with right. him. You know, or Ralph Nader when he's been in town. Only the yeah. super rich can save us. Remember that book where yeah. he talked about how if we could just get someone who wanted a legacy to be about peace. Right. You know, it helps. You know, yeah. and it, unfortunately, you've got you know, Elon, being on the spectrum, there's only so much to work with there, to be blunt. So thank you. you. I mean, I just, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you, but I'm grateful. And what happened to you at the Hill is an example of why people won't do it. I mean, if you were raising kids by yourself, you know, that would be all the more devastating. People can't afford to to risk their livelihoods and that's what you're doing and and aaron's doing it and i just love it thank you
0: thank you so much and
10: anything and just keep you know with the getting the, the the old white guys finding allies who are the old white guys who will tell the truth or some of these other folks i mean scott is great but people always want to bring up about the sting that they did on him twice and he's redeemed and everything, but people can dismiss Scott Ritter because of that. And then, but there's others too. And Tony McPeak, he wrote a, he's written some books. There's a website, it's a trilogy about his war, his Vietnam. And he, you know, these guys are, I mean, he was a, a, what are they called? What were they called? The blue angels or something. I mean, he's a fighter pilot, but he, he, was a peer of all you know he would call and was his next door neighbor in dc right i mean he's aware these are people he liked and loved but we're doing the evil thing making the evil right. choice and, and doing yeah. it with knowingly yeah so yeah well thanks the, for that way you're not just talking to the choir singing right, to the but, choir <laughs> yeah, thanks
0: a lot thank you so much Lee, and thank, thank you Katie. all tuning in and we will see you next week uh sorry we could not there's still people in the queue we'll get to you next week i'll take a screenshot right now so i make sure to get to you guys next week okay thanks everyone make sure you uh come back next week same time same place 11 a.m subscribe to youtube.com slash useful idiots rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast and um become members at uh uh, YouTube at, at usefulidiotsubstack.com.